Hello and welcome to Strangers Stopping Strangers, podcast number 66. A big welcome back to anybody who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. On this week's episode, I get a chance to talk to and share the stories and music with Brett Wilson. Brett Wilson is the vocals and lead guitar for the band Roots of Creation. So, so much fun. I'm really excited to connect people with the band Roots of Creation. I've been in touch with these guys uh, through social media, first and foremost Twitter and Instagram, uh, for uh, since my earliest days on social media. And so I uh, checked out one of their albums, Live Free, and I just dug the style. And then when I heard they had a Road Jimmy, Uh, I just went nuts for it and added it to my Bands in Town list. So when they announced they were doing an album dedicated to Grateful Dead songs, I was super pumped up to hear it. And it really did not disappoint. I am just so loving this album. It was released in March and it debuted number one on the Billboard reggae charts. And I learned a bit about it from talking to Brett. It was produced by Errol Brown, who was the producer for Bob Marley and Peter Tosh and offers some really cool collaborations with Stephen Marley, G-Love, and Melvin Seals. Some super fun stuff. It was so much fun getting to talk to a recording and touring musician because, you know, I don't do a lot of these conversations. You know, it's it's really about the deadheads and, you know, coming to the podcast with your, your stories and your music about, you know, what makes you a deadhead. Brett was so excited to be able to, you know, jump in and have that fun, casual conversation about what led them to this day. Really, really fun. We get to hear some Grateful Dead, some Jerry Garcia, and then, of course, a few song picks from Roots of Creation. To learn more about what they've got going on, I think the easiest place to go is to their website, which is www.rootsofcreation.com for tours and new releases, the music you can find everywhere on on Spotify, on YouTube, live, on the archives. So lots of really accessible, awesome places to find the music. Um, The one thing I will say, there's a little dubbing out on some of the interview. You know, these guys were on tour and they took the time to talk to me. So, you know, I think it's just going to be the nature of the Stranger Stopping Strangers conversations over the phone. Some of the audio is going to be just a little cutting out because, you know, I'm not in a studio. So I just want to kind of say hey about that. Oh my God, we had so much fun and the content more than makes up for a little dubbing out on the conversation. And yeah, the last thing I want to say on my intro is just to bring up Osiris Network. Our family is growing. I think we've added another four or five podcasts to the Osiris Podcast Network. It's so much fun. There's podcasts that are, you know, within the Grateful Dead genre, No Simple Road, and Broken Down Podcasts. Within within Fish, there's some amazing podcasts with Under the Scales and Beyond the Pond. And they were recently at the 420 Sweet Water Festival and did some really cool interviews. Uh, my friend Rob Turner from Inside Out with Turner and Seth that do some amazing jam band coverage and, and interviews were real involved. They did a bunch of giveaways and just got real involved with the community. So there's just really fun stuff going on within the podcast community of Osiris Network. And to hear more of the list of podcasts or what's going on, you can find us at osirispod.com so those are all the news for what to expect from podcast number 66 with roots of creation and thank you so much for tuning in and i will catch you in a couple of weeks
Jackson, welcome to Strangers to Big Strangers. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, I'm so excited to get a chance to talk. This is so fun. And you got, you've made time for me in the midst of your tour. So that is completely awesome. Thank you. I'm happy to do that. You caught me on, on the day off, which is when we uh, connect with people and, and relax. Just had some coffee, some water, hanging out post-show. Perfect. And what town are you in right now? We are currently in Columbus, Ohio, and we are heading to Grand Rapids. We are performing there tomorrow night, and we're uh, actually hopping on TV. I think it might be one of our first times ever on TV. Somebody invited us to go on like a morning show on Fox 17 or something, so that should be cool. Yay, right on. Well, you know, I mean, I'm going to have this in the little intro, but for everyone who's listening, I mean, we just kind of jumped in chatting. Brout Wilson, you are part of Roots of Creation, my favorite reggae dead band. You guys are fucking awesome. Saw you guys live and excited to do it again sooner than later. So this is uh, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, this is a this is a real coup for me. I usually have, yeah, the strangers shopping strangers. I love just the chance to talk to you know all the deadheads from every different walk of life, and I'm stoked to talk to you. And I kind of mm-hmm. made a little promise with myself that with this podcast, it would always have to remain fun, cool, casual, and tell the story of you know what led you to this day. And I'm stoked that it worked. I'm uh, not chasing down you know people. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be equally copacetic you know like i'm cool having a press person and all that but like you know i'm talking to you as a head and and that's just what i love and it's part of the deal it's awesome exactly that's what it's all about Absolutely. our team helps make sure that i actually remember what to do <laughs> and that you get everything you need but at the end of the day it's all about connecting about uh what we're talking about Absolutely. Well, I won't ask any questions that'll have the sheriff on my trail or anything. We'll keep it all. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep it all uh, podcast appropriate. Well, I guess, you know, the first question that I usually go in on, no matter who I'm talking to, is uh, tell me about, you know, when inspiration hit, you know, getting on the bus and uh, your first experience, you know, d- discovering the dead. Totally. Yeah. Picked up the guitar, um, kind of learning some stuff. My first experience really with the dead, I guess, when I always tell this story, it's always a little bit different, I guess. But right now, I'm remembering even further back to when uh, I usually tell this story is when I picked up the guitar. We had a guitar lesson at school, which made me buy a guitar for five bucks. And um, I rolled into the class. He was showing us not fade away. Um, And he was actually like one of my buddy's friends and he was a deadhead and stuff. And so that was like one of the first songs I learned. He was like, you know, explaining that it wasn't the dead that wrote it, but he was teaching us the dead version. You know, that was a lot of fun and wasn't really ahead at that point in time. But that was really my first introduction to the music. My mom and dad were, you know, really into 60s and 70s music, but they never really got into the dead. They were that that was I don't know why they were into the Beatles and the Stones and stuff like that. But I think they kind of wrote them off as kind of like, you know, too weird or psychedelic or, you know, whatever. They're kind of like caught up. The culture wasn't like their thing or whatever. I've since turned them on to the music. And my dad like loves all like the classic songs and stuff. But just they just weren't really like, you know, super down when they were showing me music like the Beatles and stuff like that and like stuff I should listen to. They never showed me that. So I kind of had to find it on my own, which was a bunch of older kids kind of indoctrinated me into a lot of the jam world, you know, at that time when I was younger. 
Uh, I made friends with them because I played guitar and they played guitar. So they were like, come over, we'll jam. And we started trading, you know, dead bootlegs and fish bootlegs. And, you know, I started, you know, street teaming and, and taping for some, uh, you know, local bands that were like Uncle Sammy and Jiggle the Handle and John Brown's Body, The Slip in the 90s. And uh, just started to kind of listen to the dead and, you know, some fish and just really gravitated towards jerry's guitar playing and trying to figure it out on guitar so that's kind of like my introduction to lead guitar was you know listening to these bootlegs that i was trading uh i would actually like that point in time i don't know if it was relics or another magazine but in the back you could send out you know 30 maxell to cassette tapes and they would to anybody and they would put their favorite you know tapes on there you could choose from them and they'd send them back to you so i was intrigued you know kind of pre-file sharing yeah. And uh, yeah, that yeah, it's kind of like the the story in terms of my introduction. You know, with uh, the song I was talking about with you, there there's a couple songs that I heard that I was just like floored, and they were actually official releases. Like the the bootlegs were great. I was like learning how to play stuff, but there was just kind of an aha moment I had when I was listening to Hundred Year Hall, you know, China Cat, Sunflower, into I Know You Rider, and. Uh, you know, here comes sunshine with like I think it's like almost like a 13 minute intro before the song starts. Just the kind of intricate what I try to describe as one sound. To me, it's like when when they're playing and 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 jamming and having a musical conversation, it's you know very much like jazz rock in a jazz format where it's like they're they're all jamming together. It's not like somebody soloing and you know leading the jam a lot of times it's just a cohesive all one sound together oh absolutely it's so special and i love the way it is similar to jazz but in the way that every time they play it is different because every time you have a conversation you know to your point it's always a slightly different conversation it's it's rare to have the same conversation unless you're just a very canned person <laughs> and, exactly. guess, and if you're a really canned person then you probably like to listen to canned music and it just sort of fits into your your tidy little persona but um for someone who likes to draw outside of the lines you know like it's i'm sure it's super compelling to be able to see that and jump in that's funny that saying always makes me laugh because my dad is a, a proponent and I, I love him to death he just wrote his first song at age 72 and He's actually a really fun guy, but, you know, in in the finance world and he loves music and stuff. But when I was little, he always wanted to make sure I colored inside of the lines, you know, and I always wanted to go outside and draw stuff on it and stuff. And he was like, no, you got to stay inside the lines. And so my daughter's like she's uh, five and a half and she's running into the same thing. And it just always makes me giggle about, you know, staying inside of the lines. And it's a funny concept. Oh, yeah. No, I can't do it at all. And uh, yeah, my children, not so much. It's funny. I was talking, I made a new deadhead friend that lives in town, which I live out in, you know, rural Western Massachusetts. So it was hugely exciting to me. And uh, I was, we were hanging out the other night, listening to music. And I brought up when I grew up, the, the saying was, and I hadn't thought of this in forever. Children should be seen, not heard. Oh, gosh. Right? (laughs) So I guess just as a chatty, chatty podcaster here, I'm getting my ultimate fuck you to that one, too, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know my daughter talks so much like like the exact opposite. I don't for better or for worse. I I don't know. I think communication is the key to to so many aspects of life and, and fixing so many issues that we have in the world. Uh, communication is is the and education is the key. So, to uh, 
you know, mute and silence the youth, I think is a terrible concept, but that's just me. I mean, Oh, I uh, totally agree. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, I just watched this documentary with my daughter the other day on, cause I was trying to show her Jimi Hendrix cause she'd never heard him before. And, uh, there was something going on where it was like the anniversary or something, Jimi Hendrix. So he put on a Netflix show. She was actually digging it. She lasted a good, like 30, 30 minutes before she was getting kind of attention span and was going. And she was asking some great questions. And one of the things Jimmy said was he came from the same concept. His dad was like, don't speak unless you're spoken to. And so he really took that to heart. So when you see interviews with Jimi Hendrix or you, you see him, he's very, very soft spoken, very, very quiet. And in, in his own words, which I think was narrated by Bootsy Collins, he said that that was a direct result of his upbringing of that, which actually led him to music because music, he could be as loud and, and expressive as he wanted to be. Oh, that's so. a super cool story. That's awesome. Now, I love, in you know, the kids just getting him involved in the music, hearing lots of music. It's it's funny. They're teaching, I don't know, some, I mean, I'm thrilled that they have music in school. I think it should always be part of the curriculum. So I, I hate to say anything that could come across negative because, I mean, I'm all for the music and arts programs. But the, the shit they're teaching them right now, like to play on the recorder, you know, and they're, they're learning music and how to read music. And that is valuable. But my son, he's in fifth grade and he just has no patience for it. And I said, well, tell your teacher you're getting homeschooled, right, <laughs> on music. I'm like, there is so much music in the house that, you know, you can tell a, a John song from a Paul song or a Jerry song from a Bob song. So, you know, you're good. Right. <laughs> when I see those recorders, I, I literally, I want to, like, snap them. I really don't like them. He like, hates it. It's really hard to hear that sound is so, it hurts my ears. And, like, they're barely in tune. And it's just... I remember doing that and it was so painful. I don't know. Maybe it had some sort of subconscious positive effect on my music experience. I definitely learned some cool things. They kept playing this. You know that Oh, What a Night song? Oh, <laughs> yeah, kept, yeah, yeah, of course. They kept, they made us learn that song and like we had to sing it. I was blessed to have some great musical teachers later on who really nurtured the expressiveness because my music teacher was also the jazz band leader. The perk of being in jazz band was that you could come in during your free periods and jam with your friends, which he realized was a good outlet because at that point in time, you were allowed to leave school when you had a free period, hop in your car and go wherever you want. Uh, so a lot of times people would be going on burn cruises or sort of liquor, whatever, whatever they were whatever doing. Whatever illicit was, you know, teenage activities that were exactly, off campus. Exactly. So he noticed that, you know, a lot of the stoners were playing music, so maybe if he kept them inside, not leaving, you know, to jam, that could be a positive thing. So, and then he had like these two little rehearsal booths, and uh, he would always sit there and listen and just nod his head or kind of look at us kind of weird if we were doing something weird. And that was really good. And we had a lot of awesome equipment. And actually, when I went to college, hopefully someday, you know, when I have a lot of disposable income, <laughs> sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give back to my college, Franklin Pierce, because it seemed like they had maybe half the resources my high school did, you know. So I was very disappointed in terms of, you know, how my high school had this amphitheater, the small amphitheater and state of the art rehearsal booths and, you know, great guitar amps and a piano and all this stuff. And then when I went to college, it was like, man, you guys, you're charging 26000 a semester and 
you need to step it up. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But I, and I realized that it's all up to, you know, alumni a lot, a lot of times to, to donate. So hopefully someday I'll be able to help, help out there. Well, I think that's an awesome goal. And again, I totally think that, you know, my love, my daughter loves art and, and yeah, I think that art and music and all of that should be, is so important. So I hate to, I hate to bash on the recorder if that's the way they get it going, you know, like better that's than okay. taking you the can, recorder can, away. I can bash on you the recorder. You can bash the recorder <laughs> as much as you want. I mean, it's like a tiny little plastic instrument that's it's painful. It's I, terrible. I, I feel bad for you that you have to listen to that. Oh, I don't. I think he lost it or broke it, and that's why he got it in uh, music. No, he doesn't. Like I, And I've completely been like, just bring home A's and B's, and music are being homeschooled. So whatever. Start him out on the piano. He does have a guitar. He can play Smoke on the Water. <laughs> nice. That's a classic first song. He's got that. Well, speaking of music, let's go in because I want to, you know, I want this to be your, your story and your tales. And on this podcast, we do talk and then we do music and we talk and music and we've got so much music. So I'm going to throw it to your early inspiration of uh, China Cat, Sunflower, I Know You Writer from 100 Years. And then we will come back and uh, go a little further down the road. Awesome. Sounds good to me. Can't wait to re-listen. It's been a while. <laughs> okay, enjoy.
listening to China Cat, I Know You Writer. The next song that you picked that I want to hear like flesh out a little bit is uh, from the Jerry Garcia band. So tell everyone a little bit about, you know, where this came to you and uh, fits into your tale. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things about the Grateful Dead is all the, the side projects and the, and the history of the jug bands prior to, to Grateful Dead. And, you know, you have so many things to choose from. Do you want to listen to Jerry Garcia acoustic band? Do you want to listen you know, David Grisman, the Shady Grove. Do you want to delve into JGB? Do you do you want to listen to, you know, Jerry at, at the prison and Oregon duo with Khan? Like there's so many different aspects that you can kind of go into um, and so many different formats for similar songs or, or new songs. And when I delved into to JGB, I had a couple bootlegs and they were cool and stuff. And I was like, oh, this has more of an R&B feel. And I enjoyed the fact that it wasn't so psychedelic and that it was really showcased the singing. And, and when the soloing was happening, it was more in a, a rock format or a blues format. And obviously, you know, Melvin and Moral Saunders and the really soulful R&B and gospel influences. I was, I was really feeling the vibe. So I bought Cats Down Under the Stars and I just really loved the songs on there. And uh, one of my favorites was... Ruben and Charisse, which obviously was a, a classic. I didn't know that at the time. I was just like really gravitating towards it. And 
just like how there's so many different chord changes in there, the guitar playing with the, the classic Ottawa. And uh, it's definitely one that we want to tackle in the future. We just kind of, reggae music is a little bit more simplistic. So having so many different chord changes in the song and move around so much, we, we have to figure out how to simplify it in some way, shape or form. So we're currently currently brainstorming on that. That is so cool. I would, you know, I would love to hear that. I love hearing, I mean, you do a lot of festivals and tour. When I saw you guys up in Greenfield, I got a chance to see Melvin Seals in the same lineup. So you played with him quite a bit and he plays on your album. And I mean, what a sweetheart he is. Oh yeah. He's a a beautiful person. One of a kind. I mean, the fact that he's still doing this is a testament to his love, love for the music. And he's just been so kind to us. I think he was really excited when we originally had him on the last record to have somebody be like, will you play on our original song? Because a lot of people are like, will you do the same dead songs that you've already done a million times? You know what I mean? So he seemed pretty excited about doing an original song. He was on our song Struggle on the last album, Living Free, which was awesome because I also had Ross MG from Sublime. So it was like Sublime meets the wow. dead, which is like pretty much our wheelhouse. So. That was like pretty awesome. And we just struck up a friendship from playing Jerry Jam Festival together. And he's just a a great person. And and he's a lot of fun, too. He's got a great sense of humor. And he's awesome. He seems so sweet. I was in touch with him after that show. I think we were social media in touch. We were messaging with each other. And then we chatted for a little bit. And again, just so lovely. Took the time to like chat with me. And uh, then he wished me a Merry Christmas. Right. Like, so random. you know, you get your messages from, you know, the far reach of, again, social media and people, you know, but don't really know. And I was like, wow, like that is. Um, super, yeah, he super sent me cool. an Easter card, like a really <laughs> sweet, t- touching, like church inspired Easter card. And I was just like, this is so great. I showed my wife. I was like, you know, we were talking about music and then I didn't hear from him for a couple of days. And then he just sent me an Easter card. It's fu- It's funny. Like, it's it's just the little things like that. Just, you know make me smile like sometimes they can make your day you know oh absolutely and he doesn't even know me you know (laughs) well let's go hear some jgb and so you picked really cool i couldn't find the download i have to say the jerry garcia bands are a little more elusive on the uh downloads and being able to find them but i i was able to to lock it down and you chose a really cool live recording from the oregon state prison from June 5th, 1982. Do you know anything about it? I don't know anything about the story. I don't know much about that story. It was a tape that somebody either sent to me when I was talking about, you know, sending out blank tapes or uh, traded with me. But I was intrigued by it because it's just, you know, a duo show. And I think it's a soundboard recording because Jerry's guitar is so upfront, at least I remember, just really in your face. And it's kind of dry sounding. But there's something I like about how kind of raw it sounds. And uh, just kind of a lot of times I like the raw stuff, you know, rather than the more produced stuff. So than just the canned I, stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go and hear it. And anyone who's listening, if anyone wants to weigh in, you know, there's the please send a message. So if you, anyone knows any like juicy, you know, stories or information behind this, you know, please let us know. And otherwise, I did find this on YouTube and was able to convert the file um, to a just a listening file. So, so maybe it's a new one for a bunch of us out there. Ingenuity. Ingenuity. All right, well, enjoy, and then we're going to come back, bring us up to uh, 
little bit more current day. So it's got a lot of words. I might might not might not remember all.
to Jared Garcia Band, and I'm going to bring us not up to present day, but up to uh, Roots of Creation. I want to hear a little bit about how this awesome band that I, I mean, truly, I love listening to you guys. It's so much fun. It's just, uh, I, I was telling you earlier, my daughter who's eight, like she, I've been force feeding her Grateful Dead for years, and she actually asks me to put on your Grateful Dub album because she digs it. So big fan. The kids of- kids want to bounce, bounce around. They want to, you know. They want yeah. to float the flow around. So fun. So tell me about how you guys all came together and like where it sprung from. Totally. Yeah. We just kind of came up with the name when I was about 18. And then, you know, I was like, man, this, this would be a great name for a, a band. It was on a sublime B side of a CD. My original goal was always to like combine my love of uh, what sublime did, which was so many fusions of different genres of, you know, blues, guitar, or rock or, or metal c- combined with a love of ska and eighties and nineties dance hall and hip hop, you know, obviously they did their take on Scarlet Begonias and, and they had a jam influence. So there's just so much stuff of like the California culture. But I was like, man, I wish they jammed a little bit more. And there was maybe a little bit more positive, vibes and influences because they're coming from long beach and you know there's just a kind of a heavy vibe out there and he had his struggles with you know hard drugs and stuff like that so the lyrics are amazing it just wasn't really where i was coming from in new hampshire so that was kind of my you know kind of the seed of the of the band and we started to just play parties uh when you know i was 18 at my friend's houses and in basements and then when i went to college uh i met the original members there, what I call the original members really of like the core group. And uh, we just started playing. We'd play these trailer parties. There are these trailers that were supposed to only fit like four people like to sleep. And we would just have like a hundred people in the trailer. We'd have jungle juice on it. would be chicks dancing on tables. And here I am like 18 years old, like hanging out with like all the, you know, the upperclassmen and, you know, they're going wild. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like at the time I was like majoring in art and I was like, I love art. Nobody reacts to my prints like this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm uh, I, I getting a taste of the rock and roll lifestyle, and uh, that sounds more fun than uh, going down to the fine art, I'm sure. Yes. Gallery yes. world, you know. Yes. Trying to find yeah. some rich person to buy my painting that, you know, I really made for somebody that was more like me, you know. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, so that was kind of the start. And then later on, we, we were like, well, why don't we try playing a club or something? And it was really hard to get a club to, you know, book the first couple of places we played pretty decent venues in Vermont and Western Mass. I think we did the Iron Horse. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. They so- and they sold out. And we were like, whoa, uh, wow, all right, well, you know, maybe this could be something. So we, you know, we kept kept playing along. And once we finished college, we uh, we all moved into a house together and made our first record, bought a crappy van and just got a booking agent and, uh, you know, hit the road doing 100 or 150 shows a year and just kind of went for it. And uh, that was all really based upon the support we had originally received from my friends in high school and, and my our friends that we made in, in college. And, you know, just had this network of people that moved away from those areas and lived in different areas of the country and they would host us and get their friends to c- come out. We encouraged, you know, tapers like the dead and, and fish and people in the jam scene. And, you know, we have thousands, thousands of hours on archive.org of so many different incarnations of the band and so many different crazy places and situations. And it's, it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's so cool. Well, it's cool to have that digital scrapbook. And it's, it's such a completely different angle that again, is inspired by, you know, the jam bands of the dead and the fish where let's hear it all. And if we're playing, let's, let's let everyone enjoy it. And it's, it's such a departure from, I feel like it's maybe becoming a little more mainstream just because of digital music. I mean, the idea of a tangible record sales being people's mainstay for money, it seems like the majority of, of musicians are, you know, making their money from touring, you know, from the, from the shows and that and, and merchandise and things of that nature. But that's, um, that's awesome to have that to go back to and listen to and to share, you know, the journey. It's so fun. Yeah. And any deadheads out there listening that are tapers, please do come and hang out because we've seen like that kind of not die out, but be less than when we first started because we started delving into the reggae rock scene, which is amazing and and super supportive in so many different ways. There's not really tapers. And a lot of times those people do Facebook live or or take videos for their social media media, which is awesome, but it's not in the archive.org. So there's years of stuff that's missing of what we've been doing so the scrapbook is changing and going into social media which is cool but it's not in that space where there's you know an audio recording which you know we have for some festivals and stuff but would like to encourage the community out there to to come do it we'll hook you up we'll take care of you everyone is listening yeah you definitely go for it if you have any inclinations of taping for sure and and, you know and i found that like i'll do a little clip on like a facebook audio stream when i'm at a show like I'll do like a minute of a song because I really want to enjoy it. I don't have the, um, I don't really have the patience or I'm, I want to live in the moment. I, I can't just stand there and stream the whole time. And I think it's great to share it with people, but I'm, I, not at the risk of me not getting to get my dance on, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, that's the I whole can't purpose. just, yeah, I, I'm like there again. I have a job, a couple kids. Like if I get myself to an event, a show, whatever, I don't have the goodwill to sit and stream the whole thing. But um, I'll catch a glimpse of it. But I've been doing more video and then posting it than direct stream because really, if you go direct to Facebook, then it's Facebook's property. Like you don't even have, you can't get it back off. You know, like you're giving it yeah, out. It's hard it's, get it off. <laughs> totally, it really like you're you're doing it for Facebook. Which again, God bless for all the people I've met. No, I'm more apt to take like a one or two minute video and then post it than to just go straight onto a social media stream because you can't get it back. Yep. And, 
Yeah, I t I'm, I'm down with that. And again, I, I can't do so much because I don't know. I'm too selfish when I'm there. You know, I love the podcast and talking to people and connecting people at the social media. But you know, when I get my shit together to see a show, um, that's it, man. I'm, I'm there to enjoy. Well, so the first Dead Kitchen song that I heard, and so I, I kind of suggested this as part of your story, <laughs> I inserted my opinion, was Road Jimmy, because that's on a, that's a previous album. So tell a little bit about that. And that was the first, like, oh, my God, these this is awesome, like, blending. I was listening to some of your original songs, and then when I heard the Road Jimmy, it all sort of clicked for me. So Totally. Yeah, we, we, uh, we had that record, and we had been doing some sets for the Jerry Jam folks at their festivals of, of dead material. And that was kind of the one that was like the strongest at that point in time. And we were really proud of the arrangement because it, it, it took a while to really get it nailed down. And I love that horn line that they created. So we were like, let's, we, we usually throw like one cover on a, on a studio album or a live album that we put out just for fun. Uh, people really enjoy them. and It's just, just a fun experience to do and, and to share with people. So we, we chose that one and people really gravitated towards it. So it was definitely the, the beginning of the, or one of the building blocks of actually having the Grateful Dub album come to fruition. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's go play it. Let's go, uh, let's go throw it back. And honestly, I downloaded the Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia. I did not download any of the Roots of Creation figuring that somebody over there could probably send a good mp3 so uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm relying on the kindness of uh of your crew to send me an mp3 for this but uh, i will put all of the information on the website so everybody has you know everything all together and where they can find the music find it everywhere right on all right well let's go enjoy road jimmy and then we're gonna come back and talk a little more and got a couple more songs to to close this out awesome crank it up
listening to Ro Jimmy and I I mean I think like the thing that's really brought like full you know deadheads attention you know current day is your Grateful Dub album and I want to hear about it and I want to share like a little story I mean I think this is how this podcast really came to be is I have this amazing deadhead Twitter family out there there's tons of people that you know I just have really fun conversations with and roots of creation in your album came up in like a little private Twitter message group. Like somebody was like, you ever heard of this band? And I was like, Oh my God, I love them. Ah," Nice. It was really fun. Yeah. It's like 15 people who, you know, like, I don't know, like they'll watch like streams together, right? Like they'll live stream and commentary together on these like PMs. Yeah, a bunch of cool people. And that just, yeah, made me super happy for you guys because that's, you know, that's really going. Fun. Yeah, it's going into like a core little group. And um, tell, tell us a little bit about like how they got kicked off. Yes. Well, first of all, I'm super excited for you to share the news of that because that's kind of what I was hoping in terms of, you know, the deadheads listening to it is it is it having that organic kind of growth 
of where people are sharing it like person to person and being like, Hey, have you checked this out yet? Cause that's, that's really how, you know, music grows and just in, in terms of like our genre and the way we do things. So that, first of all, that's, that's awesome. I love hearing that story and, uh, you know, moving on to the record, man, it's been a long journey from, you know, learning how to play guitar from listening to, to a dead bootlegs and uh, then starting the band and then touring for a number of years. And then our friends at Jerry Jam, Dan Webb, invited us to play Jerry Jam when they, they first decided to have like a quote unquote headliner. He started off the festival the year after Jerry died. He just basically played dead shows on a screen and they all kind of partied and uh, remembered Jerry. And, and that was the first Jerry Jam. And then I think he started having some local bands and, and, and dead cover bands play and he wanted to bring an original band into the fold and you know it hurt our music and and so we started playing there and he, he really dug it and we kind of as a our own roots but also as kind of a, a tribute to to him inviting us you know melded some dead material into our set and that more progressed into collaborating more with him and a couple theater shows and one of those was a halloween show as some people may know, but for those of you who don't, a lot of times the jam scene, a band will put on a musical costume for Halloween. And so it only made sense for us to do a dead set. That really inspired us to say, hey, man, maybe we should actually do a record like this. You know, we'd been talking about it. And I, there was a couple dead tribute records back in the 90s when I was first discovering the dead after Jerry passed that I, I really wasn't too down with the, the reggae tributes it was just i wasn't really feeling them it was just kind of a little bit cheesy and so i always wish that i could you know kind of recreate that vibe in the in the vision that i had and uh so we just kept kicking this idea around we're like should we make a new original record should we should we really you know do this and then we got introduced to errol brown through uh actually a reggae a radio station called big reggae mix and uh shout out to mitch and and scott from there and Introduce us to Errol Brown, who, if you don't know, uh, was highly involved in Bob Marley's career. He did the last three records. One of the original, amazing Jamaican producer-engineers. And he's about 70, 72 or, or something at this point. And he's got more energy and fire than we do. And he's just an amazing human being. And he loved the idea of this. We, we pitched him two ideas. We showed him some new original music. We showed him this. And he was like, I want to be involved in the Grateful Dub. I love this idea. Like, this is going to be amazing. And so we hit the studio for 10 days, uh, about 12 to 16 hours a day, and just, just hit it hard. And the experience was amazing. He kept us right on track. And he built this foundation of the bass and the drums. And just to watch him work and, and learn his stories of, you know, uh, working with Marley and, you know, telling us about how Redemption song ended up being just Marley and acoustic guitar. Cause the band couldn't, you know, tackle the song. So we actually like took a lot of those stories and tried to apply them to the music. If, if you listen to standing on the moon on the record, I couldn't get the, it to work with the band. So we ended up going with like an acoustic, you know, seven minutes or six minutes of the song acoustic. And then the band comes in later. So so those stories and that knowledge that he kicked to us really had a, a massive effect on the sound and the psychology behind the arrangements and everything. Well, I, I can I can totally appreciate that as a listener from you know talking about the the album because 
I had been enjoying the whole album. Yeah, I love your daughter, the moment of silence for Jerry Garcia. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, unique and, and thought out. And uh, and all the songs are different. I mean, you can, they have that familiar, like it's coming from the same family, but, you know, from the shakedown, the, just the jam and, you know, you're different with the horns and the deal. I mean, they're they're all so fun, but they're all really different. They all really feel like they're they're playing into that song. Like there isn't anything that's uniformed about the album, except that it has like the same vibe and the same, and the music is all coming from the Grateful Dead's catalog, but each song feels like its own little thing to me. Totally. I'm glad you realized that. Yeah. We, we really tried to take a lot of love and care in, in each individual song and, you know, see where does the song fit on the spectrum of, you know, a reggae style. Is it more something like deal that's, an upbeat song so we should approach it kind of like ska rock steady or is it kind of like a, a slower song like he's gone which was one that we were actually really struggled with like making it work we actually erased everything that we did except for my vocals and then totally redid everything and remixed it in a sense uh with live instruments um that one almost didn't make the record because we were just we were just hitting our head against the wall and we just had to scrap everything and just destroy it and, and start, start new. <laughs> um, well, I love it. I mean, I feel like it's, I feel like it's respectfully upbeat for he's gone. Like, I feel like it's probably one of the more upbeat like versions of he's gone I've ever heard, but not in a way that's a departure from the song. That's my interpretation of it. Like, I feel like it's a really soulful song and you're getting the most upbeat version of it that I've heard in a good way. Totally. We tried to retain the, the melancholiness of it with kind of the instrumentation. But in terms of tempo, yeah, you're totally correct. It's like a little bit more upbeat, you know, and, and uh, that's one of my favorites. Definitely not like I don't think it's a favorite in terms of like the response online so far. I just like it that we scrapped everything kind of in a, I don't know in a way like an Eastern philosophy, like light it on fire <laughs> kind of way. Like, <laughs> um, and they kept the, the main thing for me was like, okay, we have to retain. Sometimes when people do cover songs, they change the way that they sing the vocals and that can have a detrimental effect, I think to the song. So for me, it was like trying to keep the phrasing and the tonality and the melody of the lyrics, the same while changing the the instrumental production behind it in a in a vast way kind of the goal you know so you could still sing along you know if you wanted to. oh i think you got it on the money and again i can i absolutely hear that from that song and i i really enjoy it and the song he's gone i mean the hunter garcia and barlow we're songbooks i mean that what's so beautiful about them is that they they evolve and they change to you know whatever the situation is and i think that he's gone just in itself is is definitely a reflective song that's you know again is coming from a soulful place but there's a lot of fun little aspects to it too i mean the you know the nothing left to do but smile 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 i mean there's definitely kind of an upbeat edge and i feel like you really brought that out you know while still staying true to yeah the wistfulness of the song Totally. And it's a special song to me because we we, uh, we played that song twice when when two uh, family members from from my wife's side of the family you know, passed away. My my father-in-law loves the dead. And we, we, we got together and 
we always jam together, whether we're in Mexico, uh, where the moment of silence was recorded by my daughter or somewhere else. We always try to make it a point to get together and, and, and jam out. And uh, the dead brings us together in, in terms of a, you know, many generational gap. Um, you know, it's a common core with us. So we, we played that song, you know, after his father passed, after his mother passed, um, which were sad occasions for the family. But that song kind of brought us a little bit of hope and, uh, you know, a little bit of healing to play the song after the after the funerals, you know. Well, and in classic deadhead fashion, um, we have just went and talked for like 10 minutes about He's Gone. And then we're going to make we're going to switch it up and play Fire Up Mountain <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> Rewind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now anyone who's been listening to Brett and I like wax poetry on this beautiful He's Gone, you are now going to be forced to go find it because it wasn't the selected song. Because I, I, you know, and again, classic form, I asked you for one and you gave me four. So I need you pair it. <laughs> I made you pare it down a little bit because I'm afraid I say this every podcast because I'm afraid of a two hour fucking podcast. But that being said, yeah, he's gone is not being played. So you got to go find it. Of course, it's easy to find. So that's a good thing. And um, and we're going to roll into fire in the mountains. So you have a, a little blurb on. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Let's talk about fire. <laughs> I'll just kick into, you know, give it a, a big up to all the special guests on the on this song. Uh, we got uh, Stephen Marley and uh, Marlin, the ganja farmer, Asher, uh, lending their vocal talents to the song. And then we have our dear friend, uh, Billy Cottage uh, from Real Big Fish, who plays with us whenever he's home on trombone. AG, Andy Gibb from uh, Slightly Stupid on trumpet, along with our band. And it's for me, it's just uh, my favorite. I don't know if it's my favorite track on that record. It, it changes from time to time, but it's definitely one of my favorite. It's why we chose it to be track number one. A lot of high energy, and uh, my, one of my favorite parts is is, is kind of transposing uh, Jerry Garcia's guitar line w- with that auto wah kind of thing that he's got going on into the horns playing that melody. You know, it was a lot of fun for me. No, I, well, I really enjoy it. I mean, but uh, I'm an easy mark. <laughs> I enjoy, <laughs> enjoy it all. So, right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and play that. And then we're going to come back and we'll do a little sign off goodbye. And then we're going to actually lead out with that last song that we that we had to add to the end. So everybody enjoy Fire on the Mountain. And then we'll be back for a little goodbye. Awesome.
caught in slow motion in the dash for the door. The flame from your stage has now spread to the floor. You gave all you had, why you wanna give more? The more that you give, the more it will take. To the thin line beyond, which you really can't say. classic form we have more music than you know originally planned so so we're gonna go out encore style with a, a little black muddy river but um thank you brett so much for chatting with me and sharing the stories and it's awesome my pleasure i had a blast i thank you so much for having us on here and and thanks for listening all you podcast listeners out there and uh bid you good night it's gonna go up april 30th so i'll attach links that have the tours you're gonna be you know deep into the third leg of the tour you're gonna be out and you know i'm so frustrated you're gonna be in california so the day for any of you california listeners and you hear this and you're like oh my god i want to see these guys you're playing at the Sweetwater in Mill Valley on that night that monday correct yeah on the 30th yep we're very excited <sighs> about that so if anyone's listening and you're in the Bay Area and you just want to hustle your little ass to hear Rooster Creation played live, what better than the Sweetwater? That's what's going to be going on that night. And then I'll post the tour for the rest of the shows. And yeah, it's time for links. you to snag a plane ticket. Well, no, the bullshit part is I'm leaving that day. Oh, no, you are? I'm so frustrated. I'm going to California and I'm flying out that night. Oh, I think right? it's only 100 or 200 bucks to change your flight. <laughs> Well, we'll see. I I was I was like, oh, April. Then I'm like, wah wah, you know. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna be in the air when you play. Well, we'll see so. you this summer, if not. Absolutely. Well, everybody enjoy Black Muddy River. The it's a sort of beautiful encore sign off. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Definitely have a great day. Bye. Bye.
This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.